Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Look at 1 Peter 3.18, here's what it says. 1 Peter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God. Having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation. That word is caruso in Greek. It means to herald or proclaim. He made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who were once disobedient, verse 20, when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah. Just mark that. God is patient. He doesn't want people to perish. During the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is, Eight persons were brought safely through the water. Now when Jesus died, he went to this place where spirits are apparently are imprisoned and he made a proclamation to them. And here's the question. What was the proclamation? The Greek word caruso can be used to herald the, herald the gospel, but what determines the meaning is the context of the flow of the verses. And what... Uh, it could be going on here is that Jesus is actually making a proclamation to these spirits who tried to pollute the human race. Think with me for a second. In Genesis 3.15, God makes the proto-euangelion, the, the proto-evangelism, evangelism, and he says that a Messiah is coming that's going to bruise the serpent's head. Remember that, Genesis 3.15? Then in Genesis 5, we have this message that the Lord's going to come and he's going to bring judgment and he's going to uh, bring cleansing and, and uh, 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 judgment on mankind. Now, the enemy knows this. The enemy knows that his time is short, that his head's going to be crushed by the Messiah. What would you do if you were the enemy? Well, in all likelihood, you would try to stop the arrival of that Messiah. As I've mentioned to you in the past, this does happen in history. It happens through Egypt, through the Pharaoh, throwing the Hebrew male babies into the river. It happens through Assyria. It happens through Babylon. It happens through Medo-Persia. It happens under Haman when he tries to get the Jews wiped out and Esther steps up to the plate. It happened through Herod when he tried to kill all the babies in Bethlehem. It's happened through the Ottoman Empire and the uh, German Nazi Empire that tried to wipe out all the Jewish people. And we have to ask a question. And this, this is part of what I want to get across to you this morning is there's really just a couple of ways to understand the world. You can understand the world as an accident that happened and we're just kind of nobody steering the ship and we're just going wherever. Or you can understand the world through a spiritual lens. If you understand the world through a spiritual lens, you understand that there's a battle. The battle's not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers. There's a struggle going on. There is a literal devil, a literal enemy, a literal struggle. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking someone to what? To devour. There's a spiritual battle going on. And this would explain the history of Israel and why the people continue to try to destroy them. If you were the enemy, what would you do? Probably try to stop the Messiah from coming. 
There are some scholars embracing this view of angels as sons of God in Genesis 6, saying that this was some sort of attempt to corrupt the human race and keep that seed from coming down the line of Seth and so forth. But one thing that we have to remember when we look at Scripture is that the Scripture really doesn't say it was an attempt to corrupt. It just says that these sons of God saw these women and they basically seem to be driven by lust. If you go to Second Peter, just the next book to the right, here's another treatment of this time. Second Peter 2, look at verse 4. The context is false teachers who are driven by their sensual pleasures and they... The way of the truth is maligned by their behavior. Second Peter verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 4 says, For if God, or since God, did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live godly, ungodly thereafter. Notice in verse uh, 4, God did not spare angels when they sinned. He cast them into this place called Tartarus. It's one of the it's a picture of dark judgment and imprisonment until the final judgment. Keep going to your right. Go to the book of Jude, just before Revelation. Here's the third New Testament commentary on what happened here. And there are some that don't believe every one of these passages are commenting on Genesis, but I don't see how you can really hold that. But here's Jude, one chapter, verse 5. Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe, Jude, verse 6. And angels who did not keep their own domain, that's arcane in Greek, that means their own source or origin or what they were supposed to be doing, but abandoned their proper abode or habitation. He has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. You might ask, well, how do we know what they did? What, what did these angels do? Verse 7, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality, went after strange flesh, and are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Three New Testament passages, if you go back to Genesis 6, that seem to imply or directly state that angels left their proper abode and somehow got involved with human women. Now the, the question would be, how would this work? I thought angels were sexless. I thought angels do not marry or are not given in marriage. That's true. That's what Jesus said. Those are the angels in heaven that are obedient to God, but angels that are disobedient to God probably don't care about God's rules. But could angels manifest themselves in a body? That's a question. And, you know, if you ever listen to Bible Answer Man kind of talk shows, people ask these questions all the time. And the answer is, well, how could an angel procreate and, and all of that? We don't know for sure. This could have been by means of demonic possession. That's possible. We know that that does happen. 
And as mankind opens him up, himself up to the ways of Satan, that certainly can happen. And we say, well, wouldn't people recognize what was going on? Well, you know, when angels appear in the Bible, they appear in human form. At least they can materialize that way. We can see that in Genesis 18 when the angels come and Abraham's running around trying to prepare a meal for them. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2 talk about that some have entertained angels, what? Unaware. So, I I will grant you this is a bit bizarre. This is probably one of the most difficult passages in the Scriptures, but it tells me something about Satan. He is subtle. He is a liar. Jesus says he was a liar from the beginning. And if you accept the biblical narrative of what's going on in the world, then you know there's a spiritual battle. His ultimate desire is to destroy and pull down souls and stop his own demise. And so he, he's about that particular business. And here's the response of the Lord to all that is going on, and I'll let you wrestle a little bit more with how you want to in, interpret what's going on in verse 2. But it says in verse 3 of Genesis 6, Then the Lord said, in light of what was going on in verses 1 and 2, My spirit, ruach is the Hebrew word, the spirit, John 16, 8, has come to convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But God says, My spirit shall not strive with man forever because he is also flesh. Nevertheless, his day shall be 120 years. The Lord said, in response to verses 1 and 2, my spirit will not strive with man forever. The word strive is a unique word here. It's yadun. And it means to judge, to contend, or to plead. It could have the idea from the JPS commentary that God says, I'm not going to go on suspending judgment. It could have the idea that I'm not going to abide with man forever in these conditions. It could be the idea that I'm going to plead with man, but only for so long. We are his ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5, as though God were what? Pleading through us for people to be reconciled to God. And there were two preachers. We know at least Enoch was a preacher in his time, and Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and Noah kept saying to people, the flood is coming. The flood is coming. And do you know how many people got into that ark? Eight people. And there's extra biblical writing, which we'll tackle in the weeks ahead, that say that Noah was mocked by his generation, and people walked by and said, what are you doing, old man? What's the reason for the ark? And at every opening monologue in, in the early centuries of talk shows, it was all about Nutty Noah. There is Nutty Noah again. But with each tap of the hammer, Noah was sending a message to his generation that he believed God. And he believed his word. And he condemned the world by his faith. And I'm sure when people walked by, Even though they mocked him, I'm sure people took some big gulps when they turned away and said, I hope he's not right. You see, people do go home and they have to face their own mortality and the reality that God's fingerprints are everywhere in this universe. People already know there's a God. But some of these things are not easy for people to accept. Is God really going to judge the world 
Again, well, Peter tells us, yes, in the last days, mockers will come with their mockers and they will with their mocking and they will say, where is the promise of his coming? Everything remains as it was before since the days of creation. And Peter says basically that they are dumb on purpose. They ignore the reality that there was a worldwide flood. In fact, in the world right now, there are about 300 different flood legends in different cultures in the world. 300 legends of a flood. Some of them have little different variations, but just about every culture in the world has a story of a flood and a few people getting on a boat and surviving. Aren't you glad that Noah believed God? If he didn't, you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. Because every family that is now on the face of the earth derives its origin from Noah and his three sons and their wives. See, faith is something that God asks us to exercise. And God says, man is flesh. Maybe he's saying, man has now just become no better than the animals. Look at verse 3. And I'm not going to strive with him forever. And the 120 years here, some people believe, is now what the age will fall to. Man will be given 120 years maximum life. But if that's the case, there's people who live beyond that after this declaration. In fact, Abraham lived to 175. Isaac was 180. Jacob was 147. Moses himself died at 120 years of age. Aaron made it to 123 and the ancient uh, commentators on the Bible said the 120 years was the time from the beginning of God's declaration or the span it took to build the ark. God let Noah build it for 120 years. A, g- a biblical generation most agree is 40. 40 is a number of testing and um, preparation. God gave three times 40 120 years to mankind saying, I'm going to give you a triple patience. I'm going to wait and wait. And Noah tapped on the ark. He was probably 100 miles inland when he built it. Probably never had seen rain before, but his life became a message. And he preached and he built. And he built and he preached. And he had seven converts or eight converts. That's it. See, people just turned their ears off. They, they were so engrossed with the, the things of their own lives that they wouldn't listen. When Jonah walked Nineveh, the prophet who didn't want to preach to the Ninevites, you remember that? He said, oh no, I won't go. And he went the other way and the Lord said, you will go. And he picked him up with a fish, remember that? And, no, and uh, he went and preached did Jonah, and he said, how many days in Nineveh will be overthrown? You got 40 days, man. This number 40 is an interesting number. Well, God says it's 120 years, and I believe the best interpretation is that's how long it took to build the ark. I mean, imagine if you were called to build the ark. I know some of you are mechanical, but if I was asked to build the ark, I would say, what? I don't even know where to start, Lord. Well, Noah walked by faith, and he pleased God. In Revelation 2, there's a woman named Jezebel in the church at Thyatira, and 
God says, I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to repent of her immorality. God always gives a space of time to repent. But then the flood comes. Folks, this is not the most pleasant stuff, but this is the reality of the Bible. God will give you a space of time to repent. He will shake your life. He'll try to get your attention. But then there's going to come a time when judgment comes. So it says the Nephilim, literally, verse 4, this is the fallen ones. Remember, Lucifer had fallen from heaven, Isaiah 14, 12. The Nephilim, that's a Hebrew word for the fallen ones from the root Nephal, were on the earth in those days. Are they the product of this union between the sons of God and the daughters of men? Possibly. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, that phrase came into has a sexual connotation. And they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Nephilim is used again in Numbers 13.33. When they go into the promised land, and they say that Nephilim, the sons of Anak, Numbers 13.33, made them look like grasshoppers in their sight. So there are some that conclude that whatever's going on in this ungodly cohabitation, it produces weird-looking giants, something like Goliath. I was doing a little quick research on giants over history. Do you know right now, I think the tallest man on the earth is eight foot one. He's got a foot over Shaquille O'Neal. He makes Shaquille O'Neal look like a shrimp. And there have been pictures throughout history. You can go on the internet. You'll get some weird sights, but you'll get some solid pictures as well. And there's been some large people on the earth. Really, like, huge people. Well, whatever is going on here, the Nephilim seem to be a product of these relationships. They're mighty men, probably known for their strength and power and size. And they become men of renown on the earth. I know it's strange, but here's what seems to be happening in this time. What's the Lord's response? Then the Lord saw, Ra'ah, the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent, literally the word is product, of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God looks. What does he see? You watch a news report. You watch the first 10 minutes of the news. And some of you have stopped watching the news, and sometimes I have to take a break from the news as well. But you watch the first 10 minutes of a news report. Do you know what your heart is doing? Imagine times that by whatever God takes in in a moment of time around the globe. What do you think it does to him? What do you think he felt, if I can put it that way, when he looked at his creation and saw what man was doing. Now the focus is on man's behavior, and that's why some say, well, maybe this is not angels because the focus is on man. But it says, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And here's a sad reality. If you want to know what the days of Noah look like, mark Genesis 6-5. It says that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, that means bad, hurtful, or wicked, continually. Every mind had been corrupted. 
Now, as bad as society is getting in our time, and I mean, if you've been, if you have been alive for a while, you have been watching a rapid decline of society, have you not? I mean, it's happened so fast with law after law being passed right now. You know, the state of California just passed a law a few days ago signed by Governor Jerry Brown that now our crisis pregnancy centers have to post information on where you can get an abortion in a crisis pregnancy center. Now, why in the world would they pass a law like that? Now, Big Brother in California tells our crisis pregnancy centers they must either post a flyer on the wall, give the information digitally or by brochure on where a woman can get an abortion. Mandated by California state law. Why do crisis pregnancy centers exist? To try to hold up life. To try to tell women there are options like adoption and they provide ultrasounds to hold up life. And now our governor has passed a law that our crisis pregnancy centers have to give the other information. So there were two ladies on Fox, one from NARAL, she's supporting you know, uh, the pro-abortion side and another woman from the pro-life side. And Megan Kelly, to her credit, said to the woman from NARAL, okay, if you believe that the law should be the way it is, why don't you allow crisis pregnancy center information to be posted in your clinics, in your abortion clinics? Oh, no, oh, no, ah, no. So this is a one-sided deal, right? So now Big Brother is going to go into the crisis pregnancy centers and tell us what we can do that's what's happening you guys right under our noses and the the laws are being churned out so fast sometimes it makes my head spin you know we've long forgotten about the bathroom laws in california and the other things that are going on we just kind of move on but i'm telling you right now our society is on a slippery slope And all of this has been undergirded by people saying, "Eh, is there really truth? Eh, Is there really a God? Is there really moral absolutes? You see, it's happened right now. Happening right now happened right under our noses. But there's still hope. Because we're here. And God has called us to be salt and light in our generation. And some people just, they just don't understand. They just don't have all the information. And every every intent of their thoughts is the word, Hebrew word, yetzer. It's the idea of a, a pottery being formed. It's the idea of a shaping of a thought. Here's the question. Who is shaping our thoughts? Our children's thoughts. The media or the Word of God? I ask you that. I ask myself that as a father, as a pastor. Well, every time someone had a thought, and this time, you know what they did? They reshaped it into an idol, and it was all about them. They were able to take every thought, and instead of taking it captive to the obedience of Christ, They shaped it. They turned it around only for evil. Every thought that came into their mind. This is is terrible degeneration in humanity. They turned it into evil, only evil, continually. Wow. 
That's how far mankind had slidden down. That's the days of Noah. And the battle, my friends, my brothers and sisters, you must understand, spiritual warfare is fought in the, in the area or arena of ideas. Ideas have consequences. Paul says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual for the pulling down of what? Strongholds. I think the reason that he was sorry and grieved in his heart is because what man decided to do. Now, if he didn't want there would ever be a human race and I think there wouldn't have been eight people that got on that ark and it would have been over but I think he was grieved at man's decision making and let's talk about that for a second so man's the thoughts and intents of man's heart uh, this is verse 5 was only evil continually and then you read verse 6 the Lord the Lord was sorry and grieved so you can't ignore the fact that Verse 6 follows verse 5 and, and describes man's behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Man's, man's thoughts, every, the Hebrew which we mentioned in this message is man had a way of taking a thought and twisting it towards only evil continually. So you think about that. You know, you think about how grieved we are when we see evil. Yes. But, but when men's, man's thoughts are only evil continually, it means he's become... What, what would you say, bankrupt? Uh, Void, empty? Yeah, I mean, uh, w- there's even a, a description of a seared conscience in the New Testament, right? Where it seems like the person's even uh, gone beyond feeling. And, um, you know, if you were the creator, if we could do this for a second, l- let's try to put ourselves there. And you had made um, uh, humanity in your image, and then you watched what happened. Uh, and of course, we're going to attribute this to free will, which God did build into the universe. We would be grieved as well, and and we would feel sorrow because we would look at what man does to uh, one another. And and today, you know, if we were to go through Oscar and look at um, some of the most awful things in history, let's let's talk about the Holocaust. Let's talk about the killing fields. Let's talk about things that. You don't even want to look at. You don't want to look at the the body count. You want to look at what mankind can do to mankind. This this is what was going on, and it was it was like every thought was going in that direction, and and I think that's what's going on. And so here's here's another thing, Oscar. So it shows you the heart of God. If he didn't care, if 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 he just made mankind spun a clock and said good luck. He wouldn't have these feelings, but it shows you there's an investment in what he made, right? Right. It matters to him. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.